Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And this is a podcast where my wife and I analyze and argue over horror films like a couple of drunks at the bar. So maybe never quite learn anything. Maybe we never enlighten you. Maybe we make you feel dumber while listening to <laughs> us. Um, but, but hopefully you just have a good time listening. So you all voted, and this month's theme is going to be Cabin in the Woods Horror. Fuck yeah. So, of course, we're going to start with the granddaddy of them all, which is the Evil Dead. Uh, the early 80s version, not the remake. Although I do defend the remake. The remake is great. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I've already lost half of you, but I, I'm, I'm telling you that movie's amazing. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so this is a film that was written and directed by Sam Raimi, who many of you probably know already. Uh, also did the film, the little cult classic that I love, Dark Man. Which I still say Josh Rubin definitely needs to get that project so he can direct it. He's calling for it. He deserves it. So. Fuck yeah, more Dark Man. Uh, and for those that don't know, Josh Rubin directed Werewolves Within and Scare Me. So please just <gasps> give him that goddamn movie already. That would be amazing. It would be pretty great. But yeah, Sam Raimi also did Dark Man. He also did uh, the Spider-Man movies, the early ones, not the shitty ones. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he's also doing the, uh, what is it, the Into the Mouth of the Multiverse or whatever crap. I can't what? remember. I don't know. I get lost in Marvel. <laughs> they, they've changed this title so many times, it feels like. But <laughs> Oh, the Doctor uh, Strange one? Yes. Okay. In the Mouth of the Multiverse. I, I forgot what it's called. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's Marvel and we're talking about Evil Dead. So, uh, yeah, take that. Um, so <laughs> America Chavez shows up in that movie. I don't give a shit. I uh, <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so this one, if you've never seen it, is essentially pretty straightforward. It's about a group of people who go to a cabin in the woods and find themselves one by one becoming possessed by a bunch of evil spirits that are there. And I don't need to get much further than that with you. We are going to get into spoilers with this film, so we will let you know when we're getting into spoiler territory with this. But as usual, we have our usual spoiler-free content. So as far as releases go this week... Uh, there's a few that are pretty interesting. One that I'm really excited for you all to see. Uh, first up is a film called Teddy. And these will all be uh, out by the time you're listening to this. But there's Teddy, which is coming to Shudder. And this is essentially a uh, kind of pseudo-Ginger Snaps type werewolf film, only from the male side. Right. Although I would argue it's not anywhere near the quality of that. <laughs> um, te Teddy's interesting. Teddy is... You know, it basically follows this guy named Teddy who's kind of like your classic burnout, going nowhere, you know, loser kind of guy, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, and he gets bitten by what might be a werewolf, and then he starts finding himself, like, changing in weird ways. But it's not really like Ginger Snaps. You know, he kind of, like, find he, he he goes through weird things like he'll find a a, a hair in his eyeball you know <laughs> something like that um but it's not like consistently growing there to like it doesn't like stay there like the changes do with ginger and ginger snaps it's just one uh, 
well, it's just one, and then he pulls it out, and then it like it's not there the next day. You know what I mean? But but so it's kind of like that. Although the thing with Teddy, uh, which is going to disappoint some werewolf fans, is that it's it's more minimalist horror. So uh, to give you an idea, you really d- it, the werewolf is almost treated as the sh- as the shark is in Jaws, although more Aww. so, and that you re- you really barely you know really see much of anything. So it, it's kind of minimalist in the way that it does things. Uh, but it's a fun film. I I liked the character of Teddy. Not everyone will, you know. He kind of grew on me <laughs> as it went on, but uh, but he's also pretty big asshole. But anyway, so uh, that one's coming to Shutter. Another one coming to Netflix is The Swarm. I don't know too much about it other than it looks like a good time. I really like uh, killer bug movies when done well, and this one is basically about a bunch of blood sucking locusts that <laughs> get loose on a farm or something like that, and it just. And, and as goofy as it sounds, it looks like it actually takes itself kind of seriously, which Ooh. like could work to its benefit, but it could also just make it, you know, not very enjoyable. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so there's that one, which I think looks fun. And then there's also the film that I'm most excited about for you all to see this week, which is The Last Matinee. Uh, this is going to be coming to limited theaters and eventually to VOD, I think, later this August. I want to say August 24th. But this one is a film from Dark Star Picks. They do all kinds of really great, gory, nasty uh, kind of interesting movies, and it, this one I caught a while back at a festival, really loved it. Uh, it's basically about a group of people in a theater on a rainy day who are watching uh, some kind of like Frankenstein's monster movie, and meanwhile they find themselves being picked off one by one by a killer in the theater, and it's awesome. kind of and it's kind of uh, it's it's a homage to Giallo, so it's kind of like a neo Giallo flick. Lots of really great kills, lots of fun. Uh, maybe a little too intense for some of you to have as much fun as you would like, but <laughs> uh, but but I really enjoyed it. I think it's a great callback to Giallo films, and it's kind of fun that we're seeing a little bit of rise in these movies. You know, between the Last Matinee and Malignant coming out from James Wan and Last Night in Soho. You know, those kind of mm-hmm. have slight giallo vibes to them so yeah. so it's kind of like a nice little like small comeback for it that i'm kind of digging but it's a little giallo renaissance exactly so anyway uh another thing we like to do before we get into spoiler territory is i like to put up a poll on twitter every week at killer critics uh just kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film so between love it it's fine don't like it never seen it where do you think the audience falls on the evil dead i'm sorry is this even a question no it is not (laughs) (laughs) okay good because obviously it's love it yes love it is correct i I mean this film you know (laughs) look and it's totally okay if you don't love it or you're just or you even hate it you know that's totally fine uh but the evil dead yeah it's a hugely influential movie that's responsible for almost everything we see in cabin in the woods horror films these days (laughs) And, and it's got such a following to it that, you know, not only do we get a trilogy of films, uh, a TV series and a remake and a new film currently shooting uh, called I think it's called Evil Dead Rises, if I remember right. But not only do we get all that, you know, but we've had this following for decades. Uh, they just came out with a documentary called Hail to the Deadites, which is all about like Evil Dead fans. Amazing. Uh, that's super charming. And if you're an Evil Dead fan, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, no, this movie is beloved. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got one of the greatest icons in horror that's not a villain, you know, Bruce Campbell as yeah. Ash. So. <laughs> Uh, He's the best final girl. He is the best final girl. Well, no, I don't know about that. I actually really love Nancy and and Nev from Scream. But, fair enough. Um, but he's right off. He's top three. Top three or top, top four. Three. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the the results for this are eighty point seven percent love it, fifteen point two percent say it's fine, 
uh, 2.9% don't like it, and 1.2% have never seen it. Um, and, and I'm really curious about the ones who haven't seen it. Like, I, I'm, I'm curious if that's, like, a small part of the younger generation, mm-hmm. or if there's, like, people our age or older that haven't seen it. I'm just curious, like, where the gap in the Evil Dead falls. But, yeah. Which is why I'm thinking, I, I talked about this on Twitter a little bit uh, with at uh, Domino LA the other day, and I think I might start doing this, is with these polls, I might start putting up a secondary poll with each one, that's kind of getting like a general age range of where you are in that. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious on like where the where if any is an age divide in these you movies. Just you just want to use that as an excuse to judge the younger crowd. Well, the younger crowd, or maybe I'll judge the older crowds. I'll be like, what? None of you saw Tragedy Girls? Fucking, you know. Get on it. Get on it. You know, stop being an old fart. So. I love the fact that you're just like, no, 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 I'm gonna use it to judge everyone equally. Yeah, exactly. That's what life's all about. Um, but anyway, so. Uh, so we always like to get your comments on the film as well. So these are all from Twitter, uh, at BeerNut1, which is Seth, big supporter of ours. What's up, Seth? And that's Beer, N-U-T, and then the number one. He says, Evil Dead is a classic film that kickstarted a franchise. The thing I always remember from my first viewing was how the camera always moved in unusual and fun ways to convey the emotion and energy of the story. One of the most fun first watches of a movie for me. This film is canon. And he's, I believe with that last part, he's referring to this film is canon to, you know, the franchise. Cause yeah. a lot of people tend to look at this and go, Oh, part one never happened. And we just start with part two, which is in itself kind of like a pseudo remake of one. So <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love. Yeah. I, yeah. I love the camera work in this film. I think it's so cool and dynamic and fun. And for me, I sometimes have a hard time with like camera work. Cause I can get motion sickness really fucking easily. That's why mm. I don't like, um, you know, found footage movies so much, but this one, it's so much fun to watch all the different angles that they shoot this from. And it gives the film a completely different personality than we normally see in horror, which I think is amazing. No, totally. It, you know, evil dead is one of those films that I caught in an early age that, that maybe want to get into film, you know, whether it was writing it, making movies, just being involved in movies in general. Uh, because the the camera work is so different, mm-hmm. you know, for that time. I mean, when The Evil Dead came out, I you know, I could be wrong. I just don't think that people had often seen anything quite like it. You know, like Seth is dead on in that this movie just has an energy to it that you just didn't get that much, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, there were movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which, which had this really, like, vicious kind of in-your-face energy, right? Uh, but the difference in Evil Dead is, you know, the Evil Dead itself has a kind of viciousness to it, but it's also just really kind of wild, you know? Yeah. It's it's almost like this untamed animal in a sense, <laughs> where it's just like, you know, the camera's flying all over the place. There's zooms here, zoom outs there, like zoom, 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 you know? It just, it it really feels like you're just like, it, it feels like this movie just picks up right away and then you never stop running. Yeah. You know, especially the case with Evil Dead 2, where all the shit goes down like five <laughs> minutes in, you know? Um, and I love that about it, like that you can watch the Evil Dead, and you could see like, oh, Sam Raimi, th- this is a special director. Yeah, you know, like he's definitely going to go on to do great things, as he did. You know, uh, I still credit him for pretty much revolutionizing the superhero genre with Spider-Man. I think that kind of kicked it all off personally. But, yeah. but yeah, no. So it's it's really great for that. It's a great film, and I also consider it canon. I don't. I'm not going to spend too much time getting into that theory. Maybe I will at the end here. <laughs> um, but I do believe that. 
you could consider this to be part of the entire franchise because just look at it this way. As we learn in later films, time is not exactly consistent in the Evil Dead franchise. Right, yeah. So it's totally possible that Ash <laughs> came back in time and, and he is going through this or vice versa with Evil Dead 2. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's possible that there are other Ashes out there. There's, there's, <laughs> there's timey-wimey shenanigans. Right, read the comics. There's universes of Ash, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> so it's totally possible. Um, but anyway, thank you at BeerNut1 for the comment. Really appreciate it. Uh, next up is at sinful underscore redhead. So that's S I N N F U L underscore redhead. And this is my friend Sarah, who also runs her own podcast. You should follow her and check her out. Uh, but she says, It's such a classic. Another movie I watched at a friend's house during a sleepover. This one scares me psychologically because of how it's the people close to you, people you know, becoming possessed and trying to kill you, and you must fight for your own survival and the isolation in a cabin. In the middle of the woods and no way of escaping, it's like an hourglass. You're just waiting for your time to be up. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. For me, I think Evil Dead was one of the many movies that Matt added to my education. I'm going, oh, you like you like horror? Have you seen Evil Dead yet? And I was just yep. like, no. <laughs> so we watched it immediately. It's That's really what this film is about, though, is the isolation and the fact that the people around you are the ones who can inflict the most damage on you sometimes and kind of how terrifying that one is. And as far as the Evil Dead stuff go, this one really is the most terrifying, I think. Oh, easily. Yeah, all the other ones, like, they're goofy and they're fun, and I mean that in a positive way. I love yep. Evil Dead, too. That's probably my favorite because I'm too. a baby because number one is too serious for no, me. No, no, no. You're not a baby. Look, <laughs> e- Evil Dead 2 is my favorite as well uh, because, you know, because that's another one where it was just like somehow like Raimi did it twice. Basically, Raimi put out the Evil Dead. We hadn't quite seen anything like it. And then he comes back around. And he's like, oh, OK, now I'm going to give you a sequel, which is once again, unlike anything you've seen. Yeah. You know? Like he basically he, he mixed the Three Stooges with the Evil Dead and it's and it was Game Busters. It's, it's perfect. genius. You know, it like that film, if it, that film is a great example of how you do over the top horror comedy because it's still creepy in elements, but it's really goofy. You know, but anyway, we're not talking about Evil Dead 2. We're talking about Evil Dead 1. And and no, I agree like that. We're going to we're going to get deep in the psychology of this with, you know, kind of kind of how that element plays into the film. I got a lot to say about that. I'm sure you do, too. But no, I think that element of it is terrifying. And look, that last part with the hourglass, you know, I told Sarah I love that that idea, too, because, you know, for me, that was always kind of part of the draw to horror films in like a weird way. I've never quite put a put a finger on exactly why this is but part of the fun that i've always had with horror part of the fun i've always had with writing it and reading it and watching it is that you know there's something about that hourglass element of Mm -hmm. of people being picked off one by one in an isolated area like that where i just sit back and with the cast like the evil dead where you know none of these actors were famous at the time uh no one really strikes you as the main protagonist in the film until you know after the midway point at least Mm -hmm. and so because of that you're just watching this and you're like who's gonna make it (laughs) you know like there's just there's just like such a weird joy to like watching which one of these people is gonna get out of the situation alive right yeah or are any of them going to and so (laughs) uh so i was just kind of dug that element of it so anyway thank you at sinful underscore redhead for the comment really appreciate it uh, next is at Tall Tim Koval. So this is Tall, T-I-M-C-O-V-E-L-L. Hopefully I said the last name correctly, Tim. Uh, but this is the director of Blood Conscious, a film that I highly recommend you check out when you can. Uh, really, gr- Also, you know, speaking of, 
sort of cabin in the woods, isolated horror, uh, kind of touches on that. And anyway, it's a great film. Recommend you check it out. But he says, not straight comedy, but I really love the winks from Raimi throughout. That creaking port swing is pure Sergio Leone. And many of the visual slash audio gags remind me of Once Upon a Time in the West and that they build off genre expectation, but go beyond. Yeah, I it's the thing that I really appreciate about a lot of Sam Raimi stuff is he has this unique gift where he's really able to balance like creepy with kind of more lighthearted moments, which for me, I really appreciate because anytime a movie gets a little bit too dark and heavy. I'm a baby and I go, I just I just want a Pratt fall. I just want someone to get like a shit ton of blood all over them. And mm. every time Sam Raimi gives it to me and I love him for that. No, yeah, no, he yes, no, he gives you exactly <laughs> what you want in this. What I would more say, you know, to Tim's comment is that uh first of all, you do see these see those winks there. And you know, I, I know this isn't quite what Tim is saying, but but I sort of <laughs> It, I do almost in a weird way kind of look at less Evil Dead, but more like Evil Dead 2 and especially of Army of Darkness. I, I do see like some Western elements in those movies uh, that I really enjoy. But but something with this, you know, you do see Evil Dead play off of genre expectations by kind of flipping on what you think is going to happen and what really happens. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and one of those being that I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Bruce Campbell's the star of the movie, you know, because yeah. I, I would hope that. <laughs> Even if you haven't seen it, you at least, you, you know, know, you probably know that Bruce Campbell stars in the Evil Dead franchise by this point, uh, especially if you're listening to this podcast. But, you know, that that was huge for the time because, you know, th- uh, these kinds of movies, you had already started to see a trend of final girls, right? Yeah. You know, these women that survive uh, situations like this in horror movies. And, you know, Bruce Campbell was kind of that rare character who was sort of like a male final girl right like mm-hmm. you just had an <laughs> he's our that, final boy right like you, you've seen that plenty of times in other types of horror movies you know sci-fi films animal attack movies all that kind of stuff creature features you know men are primarily the survivors <laughs> of those movies for some reason but the evil dead it kind of plays out a little bit more like we're used to with other slashers and films like that so so him surviving in the end and kind of being like our main hero, you know, that was a little bit of an unexpected thing yeah. at the time. So anyway, uh, thank you, Tim, for the comment. Really appreciate it. Uh, and again, that's at Tall Tim Koval, C-O-V-E-L-L. And then next up is at Craig Jones 01. So that's C-R-A-I-G-J-O-N-E-S and the numbers 01. And they say often emulated, but never bettered or even matched. Yeah, you you can't be better than Evil Dead. It's just not possible. You say that, but I have a feeling that you're going to rank this one below <laughs> one of our other movies this month. And I already know which one, but I'm not going to say it right now. But <laughs> I mean, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with you about where my rankings are going to be this month. But that's not saying that I think the other movie's a better made film right right no evil dead and what's so great about it and why i'm glad we're starting with it with this month is it's like jaws was to shark films mm. you know this revolutionized the cabin in the woods genre i don't even know if there was a cabin in the woods genre before then before this yeah no not really you know at, at least not in the way that we think of it now mm-hmm. you know this this was one <laughs> And look, I mean, these are just the benefits of having been born earlier in the film age if you wanted to get into <laughs> filmmaking as opposed to now. It is, look, you know, something as simple as, like, I'm going to put characters in a cabin. Which yeah. <laughs> that was, like, fresh, right? So, <laughs> uh, so no, like, this this particular situation, I don't think we had quite 
seen much of it at the time. Yeah. You know, and then of course, uh, with Evil Dead 2 and the two of them together, then yeah, then Sam Raimi pretty much like, you know, officiated the. <laughs> he was just like, this is my genre. You must do it like this. Yeah. You ba- are going to fail. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so so no, Craig, I, I agree with the comment for the most part. You know, it is often emulated, and anyone who's emulating it never is going to do <laughs> the same level of quality as the Evil Dead. You know, and that and a lot of that goes to Sam Raimi. Like, look, you can have the best effects. I think that, like I said, the remake of the movie is incredible. I, I think that the effects and the gore in that film are so much fucking fun. Yeah. Like, I was I was cheering in the theater during that movie at some of those moments. But look, the thing is. No one directs a movie like Sam Raimi. No. Just, just you can try as much as you want. You're not going to be Sam Raimi. So, like, <laughs> uh, so no. So, it, it has been often emulated, but never quite done to this level. The only disagreement I have there is that, you know, I would say it's evenly matched with Evil Dead 2. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that is my preferred favorite, you know. Yeah. But, but, look, if you're looking for, like, harder scares, then the Evil Dead is definitely, you know, the king. Oh, <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, thank you at Craig Jones one for the comment. Really appreciate it. And then last up is a comment from I'm totally gonna say this wrong at Jidget Von Larue. So that's G I D G I T V O N L A R U E. And they say love it. Still honestly scares me. I know it's a generation thing, probably as I saw this as a young teen, but still holds up for me. Then finding out the behind the scenes making. Then finding out the behind the scenes makes me appreciate it even more. I don't know. For me, I I saw it, what, like in my 20s, I think. And this is, I have to say, this is one of the few classic horror films that Matt has shown me that I've been in agreement with with him. Because a lot of times it's like, I'm going to show you The Shining or The Exorcist or Jaws. And he doesn't get the reaction that he wants. But Yeah, e- you know what the difference here is? is that <laughs> Evil Dead is really short and really fun. That's true. <laughs> and there's lots of blood I, and cool effects. I, I've learned if you can apply the word <laughs> slow to the movie in any sort of way, Chris is out. That's unfair. <laughs> I like some slow films. Yeah, some. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, I agree with Juju here as well. You know, it, here's the thing is, I, I don't... You could say it's a generational thing. I don't know how, you know, this generation looks at these movies. I, I'm a fucking old man at this point, you know. Oh, my, my super old ass at 30-ish, right? So, so, so I don't know how the younger generation looks at it. But, but I do think that revisiting this film, it does hold up. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things in there that seem tropey to us now. But even then, even revisiting it, some of those things don't really feel that tropey. And I think part of the reason is that you know, at the time that Sam Raimi was making this movie, like Tim mentioned earlier, they're they're uh, they're subverting those tropes. Mm-hmm. You know, so like they're they're creating new ones as we're sort of watching this film. So with it kind of being the original, it, it still feels in a way fresh. You know, yeah. it's like when you watch Halloween. Like Halloween, you know, might seem tropey to some, but you can also sort of look at it and go, yeah, but it does it better than everyone that came after it. Yeah, because so. <laughs> it wasn't doing tropes. It was doing its own thing. And then it, everybody else was just lazy afterwards. Exactly. So, like, uh, so, no, I, I do think it holds up. And, yeah, when you look, you know, you want to talk about being inspired as a filmmaker, like, look into the making of The Evil Dead. I mean, this, mo- <laughs> this movie had uh, Sam, his brother Ted, Bruce, like, all of them going all over the place trying to raise funds for this. Uh, it took years to make. They put everything into it, you know. Aww. And and look, all the passion and effort shows. Like this is 
you know, this is just one of those great stories where it's like these guys came out and, you know, did this thing, friends in film school who went and did it. And, you know, here we are all these years later and Bruce Campbell is one of the most popular <laughs> horror actors, at least genre actors in the world. You know, Sam and Ted are fucking famous as shits. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, look into it. Get inspired. Go make your own movie. Anyway. So anyway, thank you at Jigit Von LaRue for the comment. Really appreciate it. So next, just really quick for you on the spoilers, we like to do tagline versus the movie and just kind of what we think of it overall. So the tagline for The Evil Dead was, The ultimate experience in grueling terror. Uh. So what do you think of tagline? What do you think of The Evil Dead? (laughs) Okay, so the tagline is not nearly as good as the movie. You know, but that's what taglines were back then. Like, (laughs) you know, like, like The Last House on the Left, which is still one of my favorites, even though I don't like that movie very much. It, you know, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. That like, is a fucking good tagline. Uh, like, that was a good one. But but that's what yeah. a lot of them were, is like, the most terrifying experience you've ever had. <laughs> you know, like the Jaws tagline that we talked about was based on the terrifying bestseller. You know, yeah. like, like, that's kind of what they were before a lot of them started getting really campy. So yeah, Fair <laughs> enough. But, you know, we've already said it. This movie's amazing. It's definitely the most serious and scary of the Evil Dead movies. And so, yeah, I love this movie. Evil Dead 2 is definitely my favorite. It used to be Army of Darkness, but now I think I'm solely in the Evil Dead 2 camp. Yeah, no, me too. But I will say really quick before we get into spoilers is that, uh, yeah, I mean, the tagline, yeah, it's pretty boring. But <laughs> And I would also disagree with it. But, but hey, you know, at the time it was pretty frightening, you know, for... Mm. Uh, for people looking for something like that you know I mean basically the whole which we'll get into this more in a minute but you know the whole idea behind the evil dead was Sam Raimi wanted to make a movie that would play at you know the sort of drive-in setting and would kind of fit into like the grindhouse sort of film movement at the time Mm -hmm. you know so like there's a reference to the hills have eyes with a poster in the film and that's basically the kind of movie he was trying to emulate like in a sense he was trying to emulate Wes Craven and Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes or The Texas Chainsaw, you know, movies like that, because uh, those are what were really popular and can make you a ton of money, uh, you know, practically overnight with horror if you did it well enough, right? So, and, you know, because audiences were craving that. They wanted yeah. something shocking, you know, mm-hmm. at the time. So so that's kind of where it came from. So I get why they use that tagline. <laughs> but anyway, the thing I'll just say really quick is, you know, This film fascinated me as a kid who hadn't seen it because I still remember the Evil Dead as being that between this one and part two, these were two of the movies where every time I'd go to somewhere like Blockbuster, you know, I'd stare at the VHS covers and, you know, Evil Dead has its classic like woman reaching out of the grave. Evil Dead 2, the the one that I was familiar with, has the really creepy skull that's kind of looking at you side-eyed right yeah and every time i would see those i would think to myself those must be two of the scariest movies ever made (laughs) (laughs) like like as a kid i thought evil dead was just going to scare the ever-loving shit out of me so were you disappointed when you finally watched it no 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 I, i i don't remember why it didn't disappoint me but by the time i finally got to them i was sort of prepared i think for what they actually were yeah but but as a little kid you know before i was allowed to rent those movies I would just, yeah, I would just always look at them and be like, that must be the scariest movie ever made. (laughs) But then to find out that they're actually some of the most delightful movies ever made. Right. (laughs) Uh, Although I'm sure that can be debated with the first Evil Dead. But anyway, so we're getting into sports territory now. So again, if you have not seen the film, please go stream it. Uh, I'm... I don't remember exactly where at the moment. I'm sure the Evil Dead is streaming somewhere, and if not, it is 100% worth 
your rental dollars. Yes. Uh, I would also hope that you own it at this point because it's that good of a movie. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, we're getting into sports territory now. So uh, as usual, who do you want to talk about in this movie? You know, we've got uh, Ash, played by Bruce Campbell, uh, his sister Cheryl, played by Ellen Sandweiss, their buddy Scott, played by Richard DeManicor. Who do you want to talk about? Um, so I just really quickly want to talk about Ash. I know he's the main character and everything like that, but specifically with Ash in Evil Dead, this first one, I think it's really interesting to see his character development to the later films. Because our Ash in this film is not like this tough-talking, potentially slightly misogynistic like attitude dude. He is Mm. a soft nerd boy. Like This is a dude who's cowering in the corner throughout most of the film, just watching everything go down. And I think it's so interesting that our very first Ash was just like the softest baby. And then we got <laughs> to the later ones and he's just like, I will fuck you up. Well, I, I would argue that that's still not really Ash's personality <laughs> in the later ones. Uh, I mean, he, you know, that that's always been my favorite thing about Ash is that mm. even as the movies went on, He's more of a tough talker than he is a yeah. <laughs> tough actor, if that makes sense. You know, <laughs> like he <laughs> like as the films go on, you know, he's all about like, this is my boomstick. But you throw him into a shitty situation and he's going to fucking, you know, run away and be a coward as soon as he can be. So uh, especially in like the TV series, which I love. But but no, but yeah, it, you know, he he's a great character. I it, it is funny that in this film, you know, you could almost argue he's... <laughs> Uh, he almost like disappears in the background with everybody. <laughs> like if you, you know, watching this film at the time, if you didn't know who Bruce Campbell was, I mean, yeah, he's just another character. Yeah, he's you just know, he doesn't, dude. he doesn't, he doesn't stand out any more than anybody else really. And it, so it is kind of funny to go back and revisit this knowing Bruce Campbell now <laughs> and be like, ah, oh, baby Bruce Campbell. <laughs> baby <laughs> <You know>? Bruce. <laughs> cause, cause it is just funny how like, you know, until the final act, like, I mean, you, you know, you practically don't even know he's there half the time. Wait, so. he just fits into the background. <laughs> Everybody else takes center stage. A little bit, yeah, which I think is kind of genius on Raimi's part because, again, you have a cast full of characters who you don't really know who's going to survive because none, no one's big enough of a name where you're like, oh, there's no way they killed that person early on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so watching that, you know, you're you're more drawn maybe to some of these other characters, so you might think that they're going to make it longer than <laughs> Ash, right? But anyway, so who I want to talk about is Cheryl, played by Ellen Sandwise. And this is where I'm going to start getting into some dark shit with the Evil Deads. <laughs> uh, so prepare yourselves, because some of this might not be as fun as you thought it might be tonight. <laughs> so so with Cheryl... Uh, <laughs> with Cheryl, who I think just gets the worst oh. in this movie through and through. You know, she's interesting because... For one, she's the only single person in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like Ash has his girlfriend Linda, played by Betsy Baker. Uh, Scott's dating Shelley, played by Teresa Tilly. So, and those are really all our only five characters. So, you know, Cheryl's kind of the only one who doesn't really have like a partner. You know? Yeah. And I think when you compare that with some of the other things that happens to her, it, it almost starts to become like sort of a like a build up to what the main theme is 
and, and look, I'm just spoiler alert. The main theme of this movie to me, misogyny, so, <laughs> <laughs> misogyny and domestic abuse. Hilarious, <laughs> hilarious stuff. So, <laughs> so get ready to laugh. Sometimes I feel like I talk like John Mulaney on this podcast. Oh, I'm just, sometimes I'm just like, are you ready to laugh? Let's talk about divorce. You know. <laughs> so no, yeah, the thing with her is that let's look at it this way, okay? So, so a major thing that begins to play into the movie to me is misogyny and like abuse and stuff like that. Which yeah. don't worry, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll cover that. <laughs> but when you look at Cheryl's character, she, Cheryl <laughs> is the one who gets a, a very unpleasant experience <laughs> with the tree. And look, I'm trying not to be super dark about yeah. it, but but she she's the one who gets that with the tree. And you know, it sort of strikes me that she is the only one without a partner. And basically, like it feels like it's the film's revving up to the themes that come later which i mean the ultimate theme of it is men are dangerous but (laughs) but but to me this beginning part is sort of like you know sort of calling cheryl out as like an easy target you know so like Mm -hmm. think of it this way chris is married to me and let's say we have like another wife friend who's married to someone right you know chris and her are hopefully less in danger with us <laughs> you know but but our single friend who's dating and seeing a new person every week they're a little bit more in danger maybe right yeah there's so. a, there's a potential for it's the unknown risk and i think that's what you get with with the tree is that like when you're with a partner you kind of know what you're getting into but like i think to your point with cheryl and the tree it kind of represents you know the dangers of being single and not knowing who you're ending up with and if they're a creepy rapey tree (laughs) exactly because you never know who's a creepy rapey tree these days you You never know they're real good at hiding people walk around and they look human but you get them under the bed and there's just nothing but fucking roots coming out of their junk you know like it just sticks underneath Um, you know, they look like fucking Pinocchio down there. It just, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you just never know. But, but no, this isn't, by the way, this isn't to bash single people. I hope no no one thinks I'm doing that. All all I'm trying to say is that it's simple math. You know, if I go out by myself, I'm much less protected than if I go out with a partner. Right. So that's all it's kind of saying is I feel like Cheryl gets singled out by the demons early on simply because she's by herself in a sense. You know, like she has, and, and look at the men she's with. I mean, neither Ash nor Scott <laughs> are really all that given a shit about her. You know, like not they're not, really. they're not very protective of her. And so it's almost like the demons smelled it out, you know, and she just becomes like easy prey for them in a sense. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, poor, poor fucking Cheryl. Poor fucking Cheryl. Poor fucking Cheryl. <laughs> I'm, I find it kind of interesting, you know, in this movie that has a lot of themes of, you know, the misogyny and men kind of suck and all that kind of stuff, that one of our main themes that we're seeing throughout, I think is interesting, is the use of time and mirrors. Um, Because that's constantly throughout this film. So I'm kind of curious, like, how do you think that ties into everything else we're talking about? Okay, well, of anything that I mentioned tonight, this might be the one that makes the least sense, my answer. But <laughs> I fucking love Matt theories. Uh, well, it's like, I don't know if it's more of, more of a theory, but, you know, I, I guess I kind of look at it this way, right? So, if we are talking about abuse and in domestic relationships, you know, which mm-hmm. kind of plays out through this, and for all of you, again, for all of you who are like, what are you talking about? There's no domestic abuse, men are fine, you know, like, for any of you who Did are- Did you see how Ash <laughs> beat her? <laughs> For any for any of you that think that's not a theme, don't worry. I'm we're gonna get there. <laughs> but so so when I look at this, you know, let's start with time. Time plays a, a minimal role in the film, but it's still a 
pretty decent one in a sense. So, like, you know, first of all, you have uh, the clock chiming right as Cheryl gets possessed, right? Yep. That's her first time getting possessed is the clock chimes or it stops or whatever. And then the clock is pretty much the same, I think, throughout. I think Chris noticed that it's, you know, the clock never really moves. Uh, but then at the end of the film, again, sports territory, the end of the film is, you know, dawn has risen, the clock's going again, Ash walks out. And the way I kind of view this is, is sort of the idea of, like, our worst selves come out when the sun's down and we're in home with the curtains shut and the doors shut. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, like to me, like that's the time where the ugliness in a family will come out, right? Yeah. You know, like, you know, it's like, uh, like in a lot of domestic abuse relationships, right? It's like, you know, the, the dude goes to work, maybe puts on some kind of face for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And, and people think like, oh yeah, I don't really like the guy. I don't really hate him, you know, eh, they're whatever. different about him, right? And then he goes home and then at night behind locked doors, he's a complete monster, you know? <laughs> so it's that... It's that kind of concept of like the sun goes down at the cabin and that's when, you know, the demons come out. Right. Uh And and as far as the mirror goes, that plays into the demon aspect, which is that, you know, so you have Ash giving Linda this trinket that's basically a mirror. Right. Yeah. Like a two sided mirror. And and then he himself is dealing with the mirror later on where, you know, it's almost like. He, you know, he puts his hand through the mirror and then it's like all water and he disappears into it. Right. So Mm. part of the I I have two ways I look at this. One is that the giving it to Linda, I almost view it as like a vanity thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) of like it's almost like giving this mirror to Linda and being like, hey, that pretty reflection you see in it. That better always be there, you know. Better make sure you're still pretty, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. There's a better way to say that, but it's basically just like. You know, it's almost like he's giving her this constant reminder of how she looks. A- and, appearances and are important. Yeah, appearances are important. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Like, that's kind of why I, that's sort of what I see with him giving her that mirror. Mm-hmm. Because think about it, you know, if you're that girl getting the mirror, you basically are wearing this thing where every time you look at it, you're seeing your own reflection, right? Yeah, and it's so, not going to be a good one. Those tiny mirrors aren't going to reflect you nicely. <laughs> sure, so it's like, so, so it almost just feels like Ash kind of, you know, subconsciously maybe kind of putting that sort of vibe out there right yeah uh and then as for himself and him disappearing in the mirror later you know what are mirrors but sort of like windows into our other selves our alternate selves our 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 souls right Mm -hmm. so so him like looking in the reflection later on and then sticking his hand into it and it becomes all watery and he begins disappearing inside of it to me that's almost kind of like ash you know on the surface putting out this like good guy um i'm your buddy pal kind of like dude right yeah um but the moment he starts to look and reflect on himself internally Mm -hmm. he realizes there's something darker there yeah you know which is why when he puts his hand through that and then it turns all water and he comes out he's like screaming and crying almost because it's like it's almost like this realization of like shit i'm not who i think i am yeah (laughs) well that's the thing for me is like the way i view it is this cabin is basically for these characters like a sensory deprivation pod like (laughs) the whole reason why time stops is like i think for the most part we're dealing with a lot of trauma with these characters and them like having to confront things and i think that's why we're seeing like the stoppage of time because look for any of you who have gone into the woods, 
time does not matter out there and things get really fucking weird when you don't know what time it is you Mm. really have to like confront like who you are as a person i mean normally i don't think you're doing that when you're just going out and eating s'mores and all that kind of shit with your friends i tend not to eat s'mores and think internally to myself but what is life really? Yeah. Who am a, I? If not a s'more. <laughs> but I mean, Are we all just s'mores <laughs> in God's chocolate sandwich? <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> um, no, but I think, you know, to your point, looking at when the clock first starts, it's not only with Cheryl when she first gets possessed, but there's also a mirror right behind her. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the characters not only are dealing with this sense of timelessness, but also that they're having to confront their traumas oh. and themselves. Okay, so you want a really dark theory for the Evil Dead? Fuck yeah! So th- this is this is where some of you are going to turn it off if you're <laughs> if you haven't already been depressed enough by this point. So my my really dark theory, and I've never thought this before until watching the film this time around. Uh, but my really dark theory for the film, which I will say. You know, maybe I don't quite buy into, mm-hmm. but I but I think if you want to see evidence of it there, it's there. Thematically, um, is I, I pose the idea of what if, you know, if we're talking about characters dealing with their trauma and we're looking at Cheryl as the first one to get possessed. And let's say that demons, they like to toy with you with your past experiences, right? Like mm-hmm. things that they know torment you. And with Cheryl, you know, what happens to her? She gets, you know, raped by a tree. So, mm-hmm. like, maybe Cheryl has some something like that in her history. Yeah. Maybe that's why Cheryl's single. Maybe Scott did some awful things to Cheryl at some <laughs> point. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and and here's why I say that is like, look, we don't we don't really know what the the past histories with these characters are. We don't know why Cheryl is on this trip with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, is she that close to Ash? Doesn't really seem like it. You know, they don't seem that close. Uh, how well does she know Scotty and his girlfriend? You know, like, yeah. th- there's a lot of questions as to why Cheryl's there. And so you could maybe sort of say to yourself, well, maybe Cheryl used to date Scotty. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe there's something like that there. Maybe, you know, and, and maybe in their past, maybe Scotty wasn't exactly the greatest dude to Cheryl, you know, and she's mm-hmm. never really talked about it and maybe ash secretly knows and has never said anything to her or scotty which is why ash ends up confronting his inner you know self right so like so all of that's kind of there and then it sort of starts to look you know there's other things that play into it too thematically where it's like so let's say that that's true let's say that there is that history between uh scott and cheryl that's never been spoken about that Mm -hmm. cheryl's never told anybody right um and that scotty's never confronted let's say that that is working under the scenes here. Then when Cheryl gets possessed and Scott is the first one to kind of like, you know, attack her and grab her and throw her in the damn cellar. Yep. You know, it almost sort of strikes me as like Scott, you know, trying to like bury this secret that he has. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that he doesn't want to get out. And you can look at Cheryl as becoming possessed as in like, you know, this demon that she's been holding in this darkness is finally, you know, kind of coming to the surface and scott's basically like oh fuck no get yeah. to the cellar you know <laughs> yeah kind of how i feel about because look this movie is really fucking harsh to the women in this film it's um, not great <laughs> no it's not a fun time but the way that i look at the women and specifically like their deadite forms is reflections of the trauma that they're dealing with like specifically looking at cheryl i think that it's a pretty accurate viewpoint of how 
you know, society kind of wants to deal with rape victims. Your mm. point, Scotty doesn't want to deal with it. Nobody wants to look at it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody even wants to hear it. Like, Shelly doesn't even want to hear Cheryl fucking breathing. <laughs> they just <laughs> shove it under the fucking rug. Right. Like, and I think, you know, Cheryl's is very much very, very aggressive when when she comes out and her basically being like, this happened to me. It's going to happen to all of you. No mm. one is safe. And everybody's just like, yep, nope, don't want to hear that. You just get you get in the fucking basement and we're not dealing with you. <laughs> and then, like, like, kind of going on the, like, abuse thing that we kind of set up, I think that that's really evident with Shelly. Um, because look, Scott is a piece of shit. <laughs> He's a piece of shit. <laughs> He's a piece of shit. Like, He's a pretty hateable character. <laughs> Scott like goes real, like you get moments with him, like in the beginning where he's just kind of talking down to Shelly. I can't remember any like specifics, but there is a moment where even jokingly, he's just like, I'm going to punch you in the fucking face. Oh yeah. No, his exact words are, I'm going to break your face. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's I, not something you've been uh, jokingly what, say. Like my wife and I joke with, you know, comments like that, but we've never said anything that's like as harsh as I'm going to break your face. Right? You know? at, at least not in front of other people who might take it the wrong way. <laughs> and, and that's kind of the thing with this is that like, I feel like with Shelly, I think definitely for how quickly Scott is ready to fucking fight her, stab her, throw her in the fire well, and disembowel her. Well, look, something I want to say quick before I get to Scott is that, you know, I think you're dead on with how some of the, with how the deadites are basically treated. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're talking about the way the women reflected through their deadite forms i mean for god's sakes look at linda you know again i was mentioning earlier we're talking about like vanity and 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 ashes sort of view or expectation from her right yeah look at linda's deadite form she's all like dolled up rosy cheeks deep eyeshadow right like she she looks like a doll she's the stepford wife of deadites okay yeah sure we'll go with that she's (laughs) a stepford wife of deadites you know and and, and, like, you know, and that plays into what you we were talking about earlier with, like, the way Ash sort of maybe views her, right, if you kind of mm-hmm. read into it. Um, but, you know, yeah, as for Scotty, like, this is where all the sort of, you know, kind of kind of male violence and, you know, misogyny and stuff starts working into the film is, is this part, which is that, you know, ju- just look at how everything's kind of presented. Like, first of all, yes, the the th- three of our first characters are to be possessed are all the women yep you know like uh, like scotty doesn't even become a deadite until like the very end of the movie right mm-hmm. and, and ash never becomes one so it's like your your three women are becoming deadites they're the ones that are getting possessed um there's a sort of weird kind of twist on dracula in a sense where you know there there's just like this thing of threes with women right in mm-hmm. in our culture like Dracula had his three brides. Uh, if you look at like older medieval stories and stuff like that, there's always the three witches, right? Yeah, it goes so, back to the fates. Right, right, the fates. So, so you know, there's that kind of element here. And, and personally, I've always found all those things to be a little bit misogynistic, you know, especially <laughs> the Dracula's brides thing. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of playing into it. But then, yeah, you have Scott saying things like, "I'm going to break your face." He he makes the classic comment of, "It was just a joke," you know, when he when he does something that's pretty offensive or wh- or when he keeps playing the tape and, like, driving Cheryl nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he even has the line later on where all the girls have been possessed at this point and he goes to, like, try to escape and and Ash is, like, trying to figure out what to do and Scott's just basically, like, you know, referring to Linda, she's your girlfriend, you take care of it, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just, like, it, it's, it's, 
that sort of comment, it's like it's like Scott looking at these women as possessions, right? Yes. Because he doesn't look as Linda as a as a human. He looks at her as like ashes possessions. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think that's really evident when he's fighting Shelley because there's a moment where he's telling Ash to like basically join in the fight, and it starts with him saying like hit her, hit her, and it changes to hit it. He, like, immediately is just like, nope, this is a thing. Like, this woman who's so filled with rage at her treatment that she's trying to claw his fucking face off and making jokes about, like, oh, am I not pretty enough for you now? Like, Mm -hmm. she's doing all that kind of stuff, and that, for him, like, even dehumanizes her more to the point where he's just like, fuck it, she's just an it. Hit it. Oh. Get it off me. Oh, totally. And, and there's little subtle things, too, with, like, what kind of person Scotty could be, you know, in the sense that, like, again, if you're looking at the Deadites as an expression of, you know, inner demons and trauma and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. look at, like, kind of the inciting moment in the movie, you know, which is when the, the cellar door opens up. Mm-hmm. It happens right as they're all around dinner, and uh, and I think Scotty says something and then takes a drink, and then that's when... It, door pops open yeah and it's almost kind of like implying like you know maybe scotty's a bit of an alcoholic too (laughs) and what happens with you know a lot of alcoholics in domestic abuse situations they become more of a monster when they're drinking right so so that's sort of there and then yeah and he's the one who has like no problem whatsoever chopping up the women the moment they're possessed whereas ash is like really struggling with it right (laughs) yeah the the one thing i will say to like ash and linda and like linda's deadite form is i think that their representation of kind of like how exhausting and potentially demoralizing even falling into just like basic gender roles can be because i don't think that ash is like necessarily a bad boyfriend having said that no he i'm does, not saying that he does go from zero to a hundred and like fucking kicks her ass at one point when he's tired of listening to her so there's definitely something still simmering underneath no yeah it's not about ash being a bad boyfriend I, no. i'll get to that in a second i just want to make one last observation about the whole like you know misogyny thing which is basically one last other thing here Notice where all of the women become possessed. Every single one of them gets possessed in the bedroom. Yeah. That, like, that's where they are attacked by the demons, in the bedroom, right? Just supposed to be, like, this private, safe place, and it's not for them. So, uh, But no, as for Ash, like, and this kind of, you know, moves into sort of talking about, like, him personally in the ending. You know, the thing with him is that, you know, it's not necessarily he's a bad boyfriend. It's more so, like... You know, it's kind of interesting with movies like this that that are made by men where it's like, you know, I in no way think that Sam Raimi's like a, a misogynist or anything like that. No. I, I don't I don't think the movie implies that. I'm not applying that about him. But I think that, you know, we all kind of like every filmmaker, every writer, we all kind of write about or make movies about the the things that trouble us, yeah. you know. And sometimes they're conscious things, sometimes they're subconscious. Uh, like I always, you know, kind of do things that deal with family and I don't have a great relationship with mine. So like, uh, so, so when I look at this, you know, it, it almost sort of, it almost seems to be like, well, Raimi might not be conscious of it. It's almost kind of like telling that story of, you know, of a man who maybe wants to be better, Mm -hmm. uh, but isn't or, or is dealing with the things, you know, like, like there's a lot of men these days who are maybe kind of dealing with something like. You know, like, I know I've dealt with this of sort of dealing with realizing, like, oh, wow, like, women are really mistreated in the world, right? And yeah. and that is a really big issue and, and kind of dealing with the responsibility of that, you know? Mm-hmm. So Ash strikes me as more of that kind of character where, like, he's not Scotty, 
but he's dealing with sort of the responsibility of being maybe the only one who Scotty might listen to in that room. Yeah. You know, like the kind of guy Scotty is, he probably doesn't give a shit what these women say because he's that kind of dude, right? Yeah. Um, so in that case, Ash is maybe the only one who can kind of, you know, get him to listen. Um, and that sort of speaks for like the responsibility that all men kind of have in our society of like calling out shit from dudes like Scotty, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's why for me, Ash in this movie really represents ostensibly the witness. Because we, you know, we talk about this sometimes with with the culture and toxic masculinity and all that kind of stuff is that, you know, one of the bad parts about it isn't, it's definitely the, the people who are doing and participating, but it's just as bad to be the witness who's watching all of this. And I think that's Ash's role in this. He's the witness. He's watching this behavior. And Scotty even points it out going back to when, you know, Scotty was kind of tormenting Cheryl with the video recording until she freaks out and runs away. And Ash calls him out on it afterwards and scotty's yeah. response to it was well you were listening to you could have done something about it and you didn't right and, and all ash can do is like shrug and be like yeah no you're right yeah <laughs> and i think you know i think that's really ash's role in this is a reminder that you know even if you're witnessing all this stuff if you're not stepping up and doing or stopping anything you're kind of complicit in what's yeah. going on yeah no it's 100 percent right like that that to me is the demon that ash is kind of dealing with yes you know like he like he definitely i do still think that the that he has those things of sort of looking at linda like property in a sense you know like yeah. I, I do think that he has those like typical bad na- male tendencies right um but but the thing yeah the thing that is strongest here though is the fact that he is kind of dealing with his own demon. And look, I just think that there's too much in this movie that kind of references this idea, like the 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 difference in opinions between Scott and Ash yeah. and the way that they view the women. I think there's just too much going on there to say that if not consciously intentional, that it's not a subconscious theme going on with this movie because – you know, Ash does strike me as that character that I think a lot of men have maybe felt like over, especially the last few years where the stuff's being called out more and more and we're becoming more like kind of uh, kind of awake to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Is this idea that like, you know, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, Ash is realizing like, man, Scotty's kind of a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't like that, you know, and, and he's sort of coming to terms with that. Be- and he sort of. He kind of strikes me as like maybe that friend who, you know, Scotty's always been kind of like the leader and the one in charge and sort of like bullying Ash a little bit. Right. Yeah. And and Ash is maybe like kind of coming to the realization that we're seeing in this film where he's realizing Scotty kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, and he's seeing how Scott treats women and he's dealing with that within himself. He doesn't want to be Scott. Yeah. You know, and he's realizing that he has tendencies that are like Scott and he's kind of coming to terms with the fact that he has those tendencies and that he also hasn't stepped up to do anything about it when those tendencies come out of Scott, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that's the main kind of demon I'm, I think he's dealing with, which is why I think that ultimately, you know, Ash doesn't necessarily make it in the movie mm-hmm. uh, because it's kind of a – it's sort of like a commentary on the fact that, like, you know, th- those demons can consume you. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you, don't, if you don't actually fight and defeat it and do something about it – like it, it will consume and and 
you know, make you become that or something. Yeah, so. I think it's saying for me, I think that's why Ash freaks out when like he loses his reflection in the mirror is because to your point, he's really discovering these sides of himself and he's not liking what he's seeing. Exactly. And he's, you know, when that happens, you kind of lose sense of who you are as a person. And that's why he doesn't get to survive at the end. He was complicit in the stuff that Scott did in the trauma of the women you know the women went through whether he meant it or not and so he has to deal with it i'm curious though what you think the reason is for why he never saw like it well really quick one last comment i want to make on that is that because that's what i always do (laughs) is just the fact that you know i think that's what's so i think that's why these first two films are so great and look army darkness is great too it's i i love that all three of the movies including the tv show as well all have their separate like fan bases where that's their favorite right uh-huh. like each one has their fan base where they think it's the best one and <clears throat> but i think what's so genius about the first two is that both really are you know for for as fun and over the top and funny as they are they're at the heart of them psychological horror movies yes you know like both are really dealing with uh internal traumas and psychosis of the characters and and yeah, and this one, beginning to end, really is, I think, dealing with that concept of Ash, really all of them, but in particular Ash, facing his own demon and his own tendencies and trying and trying and failing to overcome that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, as far as us never seen it, I, I mean, again, I just relate that back to sort of domestic abuse in a sense where it's like, a lot of times people don't see that, yeah. you know? Uh, like you could not to be dark, but it's like you could have a friend right now who's going through that and you wouldn't know it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I think that that's just why we don't see it is that even, even if you're not going to look at domestic abuse specifically as the demons, just, just the, the, the traumas and stuff like that in general, those largely go unseen. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people deal with their things without talking about them. Uh, and we don't always see the signs of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to me, it's like that's what the it is. The it is the the trauma and the darkness and, and what's lurking underneath, you know, our surface level presentation of ourselves to people. Right. Yeah. Um, so I kind of so that's why I kind of think that we never really see it because that's just sort of, you know, touching on the fact of, of that. I mean, obviously, the real reason is. You know, Sam Raimi probably just didn't want to show us it to make it scarier, right? Because yeah. it, it is that way. Um, but I think thematically, you know, that's why. It's just that y- you really can't put a face on those things. Yeah, I think I think domestic trauma, which is kind of what we're talking about, either the emotional or the physical, it's also hard because there's kind of like there's this, this stigma in it that if you're suffering from something like that, it's your fault, and it's not. It's the person who's doing it to use fault, but that makes it so much harder to d- identify. It's so much muddier than, you know, more like cut and dry abuses can be sometimes. No. Like it does feel like this 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 overpowering wind just like roaring at you and coming at you in a weird spiral oh. shape. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, oh, that reminds me one last, <laughs> one last thing I meant to say with the demons too. I, I also, you know, going back to the massage thing, because you all, I'm sure none of you are sick about of me saying that. Um, one last thing I want to say with that is that you know I also love how when the demons are uh, going around the windows, you know, 
there there's a point where where Shelly takes off her shirt and you see her tits and you hear the demons go like oh like they <laughs> like they get all excited right um so i don't know that just fucking sp- pervy demons yeah that just spoke to me as like you know d- yeah sort of like pervy you know <laughs> abusive demons anyway um so <laughs> All right, so we got to start wrapping up here. So who is your killer idiot of the evil dead? So my killer idiot is Scott. And the whole reason is he fucking knows there's a molesty tree out there. Cheryl told him, and he still goes out I, and gets touched by the goddamn tree. I don't think Scott. Idiot. I don't think Scott really does know that there's a molesty tree out well, there. Well, then he's also an idiot for not listening to women. Oh no, he's stupid for that. But yeah. I. But I'm just saying, like, I, I get the impression of Scott that he's the kind of character where, when Linda, you know. Even after everything that they've been through, mm-hmm. he probably still doesn't believe that Linda got raped by a tree because he's that kind of dude. Cheryl. <laughs> he probably still doesn't believe that Cheryl got raped by a tree because he's that kind of dude, right? So. I, I definitely agree with that. And look, I normally don't wish any kind of harm on other people, but this is a horror film. So I'm going to say he fucking deserved it. <laughs> I love that he gets... He got molested by he, a tree. He gets hit. That tree touches him everywhere. Everywhere. Look, he's coughing up blood later on, so that tree is probably still inside him. You know, at, at the court case, the, you got you got the, the lawyer asking, where did the tree touch you? And he's just... There's a toothpick still inside him. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I hope... Sorry, was that too dark? I don't know. Um, I this guess is, this is not wishing this on anyone. I, I I guess the the instant drop in our listeners can tell <laughs> no, us. Um. I'm so sorry. I hope I didn't offend anyone. Um, but no, yeah, no, it's. <laughs> uh, no, I I say it's Scott too. I mean, look for for different reasons, you know. Scott, uh, I mean, for God's sakes, he rented this place and yeah. he's never seen it. He doesn't know anything about it. I mean, what kind of you know, people like us living in this current generation, we're like, what kind of life is that? You know, yeah. like, like we're we're all a bunch of like selfish, ADD, you know, fuckheads. But 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 something that I that I do appreciate that we have now is like, if I'm gonna go, you know, if I'm gonna go to Expedia.com or whatever and like plan out my trip, like I could see photos of the places I'm going. Yeah. And and in this case, you know, they don't have the internet back then, so Scott's just renting this place that he found i don't know where and <laughs> i mean to be fair i think we're also raised on a steady diet of everything will kill you everyone will kill you you need to make sure that you don't end up in a murder situation well i mean there's that too but i mean <laughs> but then you also have the stupidity of the cellar door flying open and i believe it's got it says something like it's the wind <laughs> so, yes but he makes fun of the uh, girls for thinking it's an animal idiot i hate him right no yeah he says it's the wind and the girls say it was maybe an animal which i mean let's be honest this is another kind of stupid explanation oh but... yeah no, they're all idiots they should have gotten the fuck but, out but of he makes cabin. fun of them but he's like but my explanation of the wind now that's that's some solid <laughs> impenetrable shit that is man science right there it's science um what about your killer death of the evil dead i think that's uh scott and shelly dissolving at the end like, when the sun comes up and, like, they completely break down. I don't know if that's, like, special effects or claymation or what the fuck it is, but it's so fucking cool, and I love it. I love them just <laughs> dissolving. Yeah, no, so this is stop-motion animation. Uh, and, and yeah, no, that, that's actually my pick, too. Um, yeah. Because, so, the interesting thing about The Evil Dead is, you know, there, there's less, like, kills in this movie. Yeah. As there are just deadites getting fucked up so (laughs) 
so so I give it to that as well because look, th- to me as a young kid, like that was the scene. I mean, look, the the whole movie sold me, right? But that was the scene that just solidified this as one of my forever favorites because you've I I'm a sucker for special effects. Uh, I'm also a sucker for stop motion stuff because it's amazing and claymation. I love both. I I wish that we. Still use them in movies, but, you know, eventually studios and general audiences took on this concept of, oh, it doesn't look real enough, so it's so we can't have it anymore. And I say, fuck that. It's fun, guys. Like, yeah. this is the thing I miss with movies sometimes. It's like, when did we start saying everything has to be realistic and serious and stop saying, sometimes it's just about being fun. You know? <laughs> I, I love the fact that the Evil Dead franchises uh, uses stop motion. Because we yeah. get it in the following two, too, right? Oh, yeah. And and look, so 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 that part of their kill, them dissolving, I think is really great. And then the and then you have, I want to say it's Shelly's Deadite, although it could be Scott's. I'm forgetting right now. But but one of them falls forward and then just, like, sh- explodes, basically, and yeah. gets blood all over Ash. And then you have fucking demons come out of them. Like, demons literally rip out of them, you know? And I... It's funny because, you know, this is where expectations come in with things sometimes. Where, like, as a kid, I saw the demons, you know, the hands come through them. Mm-hmm. And then it was over. And as a kid, I was like, oh, I wanted more demons. You know, like, <laughs> I wanted to see the whole demon. What the fuck, you know? <gasps> Young but, Matt was me. Yeah, but at, but as I'm older, I'm like, you know, I don't care. Those fucking, those hand, those claws coming out of them are still fucking awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, so no, yeah, it's it's that. Uh, what about your killer MVP of the Evil Dead? So I think I got the right person. Um, Tom Sullivan, who did all the makeup and the special effects. Okay. Yeah, IMDb tells me that he did all the special effects and the makeup for this, which I fucking love with this. I love the dead eye makeup, which I think is amazing. I love the stop motion, all the special effects in this. I will say there was a close runner-up. Number two place would have gone to that fucking moon that's superimposed and all the outside shots. I Why are you so obsessed with the I moon? I love it because it's just, it's so perfect. It's so perfect and I love it. It is. I mean, it's another thing we don't do enough of in film anymore is that yeah. kind of, you know, exaggeration on things like that. Yeah, but. like that dumb superimposed moon that like you keep seeing the same moon with like the clouds going over it. I think it's it's one of those things it, that endears me to this movie. You know what it is? It, it gives the movie the vibe of being a movie. Yeah. And that's something I really miss. I don't know if I don't know if you guys listening know what I'm talking about. But like, you know, there's just so many movies these days that like work so hard to feel realistic yeah and a lot of times i'm just like movies are not supposed to feel like that no you know i mean some are sure but i think that for the most part when you're dealing with these things it's i want it to feel more like you know i want it to feel more like a piece of art than you know uh than something that than a home movie that i watched from someone right yeah and, and when i say art i don't mean like the pretentious version of art where <laughs> where like everything has to you know, be just beautiful and amazing and, you know, next level, like all that kind of bullshit. I just mean that, you know, I, I want it to be art on the level of a Picasso painting or art on the level of like my dumbass kid, you know, made a finger painting that looks like shit. Like I just, <laughs> I just want it to look unique, you yeah. know? And that's, I think that's what we're missing a lot of times. It's just movies that look that way. But, um, but anyway, so my MVP is gonna go to Sam Raimi because of course it is. look, I, I don't like I, I usually don't give it to directors, you know, because I I view these teams with filmmakers as just there's so many people that deserve credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the Evil Dead's case, I'm gonna give it to Sam Raimi because again, you know, nobody directs a movie like him. No, uh, like think of many of your favorite filmmakers. 
they don't direct a movie like Sam Raimi. You know, just and that doesn't mean that their movies aren't good. They certainly are. But there's just so few people out there uh, that that make movies with this kind of energy to them. Mm -hmm. And and Sam Raimi, because of that energy that he brought to the visuals, is just such a such a huge reason for why this movie is so successful. Yeah. You know, uh, and why it stands out and why it's the test of time. So. Well, and it's that thing of there's there's a lot of great directors, but there's only a handful of amazing directors where you can watch a film and know instantly that they had a part of it because their style is so unique. It's so them. And that's what's so cool about Sam Raimi, and especially when he's doing passion projects. Is yeah. that you feel every bit of his passion for the project come through. And that's why we love Evil Dead. It was made by somebody who wanted to make that film and loved that film. And that's why we love it. Yep. And that's why I have a puppet Ash in our house. Exactly. So <laughs> uh anyway, so that's gonna do it for us on the Evil Dead. So hopefully you enjoyed that and it wasn't too much talk about domestic <laughs> abuse. And um, misogyny. <laughs> uh I just I just love that like, you know, for those of you that haven't been listening for a long time or maybe this is your first episode you're just like oh no you're just like wow i was expecting uh some fun conversation about the <laughs> evil dead maybe <laughs> maybe maybe we've ruined it for you now where all you can see is just Ash and, and, and scott and and yeah <laughs> so anyway um so that's gonna do it for us on evil dead uh next week is going to be the film cabin fever uh, and I promise I will not spend too much time hating on Eli Roth and how much I hate him as a person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this is the only one this month I think I haven't seen. I'm really excited to see Cabin Fever, even though I know it's going to creep me out. Oh, yeah. You're going to regret that. I'm um, going to regret this movie so much. I already know it. I, I already know the two scenes you're going to hate the most. Um, so. I've seen those scenes. And yes, I will hate them. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, next week is Cabin Fever, so go check that out if you've never seen it. Again, I'm talking about the original, not the shitty, like, practically shot-for-shot remake that came out a few years ago. But yeah, other than that, I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at KillerFromSpace, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled, just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.